0: please join me in a brief word of prayer. Dear heavenly Father, uh again Lord, we uh thank you for what you're doing there in Broken Bow in the uh, uh in the Women's Advance. I'm gonna borrow it just for it in the Women's Advance, Father God. Uh, uh we know that great things are going on there, Lord, and and uh we give you glory for it. And can't wait to hear the testimonies of the great things that you have done and and uh Father, uh we thank you. Uh, for uh, the experiences that uh, that we had in Mexico Father God and 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 what you're doing all around the world uh through people who have said yes to you and um uh, are doing great things in the name of the Lord and and Lord uh, we avail ourselves to you uh, as the word is about to go forth Lord I pray that we humble ourselves and incline our ears to you Lord and 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 take the approach of what is it you would say to me today, Lord. Highlight to me, if it's the whole message, it's the whole message. If there is a part of the message for me, Lord, I want to be sensitive to that. So, uh, Holy Spirit, just uh, guide me and give me a sensitivity to what it is you're speaking to me uh, that I might run with it uh, in the name of the Lord. and this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 today. The title of today's message is Letters from Christ. Letters from Christ. We're going to go through the 18 verses, um, and we'll see what God says to us as we go through them. Starting at verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, which reads, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So, Paul, in Paul's day, it was not uncommon for letters of recommendation to be sent on behalf of someone to confirm their authenticity, that these are approved individuals. You trust me as Paul. I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm sending Timothy. Here's a letter of recommendation for him. I co sign him, he is legitimate. Without letters of recommendation, anybody could come up and claim, I'm of Paul. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle of Paul and deceive and do great damage. Right? They're not the real deal. But people, if they're they're not careful, they can receive wolves in sheep's clothing. But there's nothing wrong with letters of recommendation or letters of commendation written on a piece of paper. But Paul goes further and says, you are our letters of recommendation. You are the evidence that we are the real deal because it is evident in your changed lives. It is evidence in your transformation. It's evidence in your walk with God that we represent God that we're called of God that 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 we're led of the spirit and that what we are bringing is the truth of God's word. See, the gospel is about change lives. It's not about a good word. If if all I got was a, if all I said came here every Sunday, heard the word, heard the worship, say man that was good. Now I affirm that every week but it doesn't translate what good is it doing me what is the evidence of the spirit of god being present in my life or in my heart what 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 is the evidence that i have a relationship with jesus you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. See, there are certain letters, maybe letters to your beloved that ain't for everybody to read. But you are a letter, every one of you are a letter written by Christ. That's an open book, an open letter to everyone. You are to be known and read by all. Verse 3, and you show that you are a letter from Christ. So the message letters from Christ is about you. You and I, we are letters from Christ. Christ. I know people like to say, well, faith is a private thing. No, no, not one that understands the Great Commission. Not one that's following in the steps and example of Jesus Christ. Because a private faith is no light that can shine in the darkness. Right? And so you are a letter written in Christ. Your life has meaning. Your story has significance. You are important. You as a member of the body, you're, you may not be pastor. You may not be speaking in front of the congregation. You may not be a missionary uh, on the foreign mission field and so forth, but you are a part of a body that needs every one of its members. Right. You know, I can't say I don't need you. You can't say you don't need me. The hand can't say you don't need the foot. Right. The leg can't say I don't need the arm because we're all a part of the same body. Whatever trauma is visited on one member of the body is a trauma visited on the entire body. I took a tumble in Mexico at what's that thing called? A gazebo? Man, they make things so little. And going down the steps of this gazebo, which is all stone. I thought I could do it. These size 13s, I was going down the doggone steps, and these steps must have been made for size sixes. (laughs) And and, and my shoe slipped over the edge of that doggone step, and boom, I hit, hit and slid down the steps. My left forearm took the brunt of it, hit the front edge of one of those concrete steps, and it is still hurting today. Now, my arm was hurting. My whole body felt it. My whole body's affected by it. If I, I'm lucky I didn't sprain an ankle or break a leg or something, because if the ankle is sprained or broken, guess what? It affects the entire body ability to get around. It limits what you're able to do. And so there is no such thing as an insignificant member of the body of Christ. Christ doesn't write insignificant Letters. He's written a letter in your life. Your life is a letter written by God. And there are people who need to read it. Amen? There are people who need to read it. There are people who will be blessed by it. There are people whom if they read if they're allowed to read the letter of your life it can make all the difference in changing theirs and so I would encourage you to give others the privilege of reading the letter that Christ has written about you amen amen don't be scared you don't have to be an evangelist to share your story it's less scary than you think and it's more rewarding than you could imagine um Let's go on. Uh, I'll reread verse 3. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Of course, there's not one in here. There's always one in here. Somebody have a pen I could borrow real quick. I'll get it back to you. I tell you what, you got a pretty handwriting. Can you give me a notebook too? Thank you. I promise you'll get them back. But here we are. Let's imagine all this purple, I always write in purple, sorry. Is this a letter? This letter represents one of you. It's a letter written by God. Based on what Paul is saying, this pen, Paul is the pen. The person whose hands he's in, is God's hand. Right? So God has Paul as his pen, and he's telling them, You are this letter of Christ that God written by us. He's not saying that we did the writing. He was saying we were just the instrument in the hand of God. God is the one who wrote the letter. And you know, the ink that's on these pages, what's written, that's the, that, that's the Holy Spirit. The imprint. How do you know the Holy Spirit's presence is real? Well, look at the letter. The letter is evidence of the presence of God in your life. It's evident. We don't have to convince anybody. All you got to do is observe and know. Just read the letter. The love of God is present in this person. The grace of God. The mercy of God. And Paul wanted to make sure that they understood He's not boasting about himself or his co-laborers in the ministry. He's giving glory to God. He's saying who authored the letter. I didn't author your letter. God authored it. He used me in some way in the writing of that letter, but he's the author. In what God has penned, there's life there that needs to be shared. I hope, I hope that's uh, blessing somebody today. But uh, you are a letter from Christ written in ink by the spirit of the living God. And that's what he says. And you show that you are a letter from Christ. You show it. A letter delivered by us written not with ink, but with the the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of stone of human hearts such is the confidence that we have through christ toward god our confidence is in god right we make ourselves available to god god does the work he does in our lives he does it in your lives through us not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us but our sufficiency is from god you know That's part of the testimony of Brian when he was um, struggling physically. Like he said, that second location, that's where he was supposed to minister. And by God's grace and God's sufficiency, he was able to do it despite being in dire straits just recently, (laughs) right? I mean, an hour before that. You would have thought it impossible that he could actually do it. But God was his sufficiency. Right. There are so many things that we think ourselves incapable of. But you know what that is? It's a mistake to think that because, you know, that that's a that's a desire or going after some level of self-sufficiency. And self-sufficiency doesn't need God, right? And so uh, it shouldn't be a deterrent to us that we don't feel up to something, right? What we need to find out is, is God leading us in that direction Does he want us to do it? Our sufficiency doesn't matter because he is our sufficiency. So if God says that we... That's who uh, he called us to be, and that's what he wants us to do. Then our job is to trust him and say, yes, Lord, I will obey. I don't know how you're going to do it with me, but, Lord, you're God and I'm not. I I say yes. You're going to need to be my sufficiency here. As a matter of fact, you are my sufficiency. And so it's a trust issue with the Lord. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I just want to read a few verses. uh, Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. Uh, Through the prophet, God tells us, told us way back in the old covenant days that there was going to be a new covenant. And he says here in chapter 31 of Jeremiah, beginning at the verse 31, says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the hand of e- land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, Though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And Paul says he has made them sufficient ministers of the new covenant. The old covenant brought death not because it was not because there was no life in God's word not not because there was any flaw in God's word but because of the sin nature that was present in us the old covenant brought the knowledge of sin and beyond a doubt convicted us of guilt and being deserving of death before God The one thing the old covenant could not do is that it could not change the nature. It could not change the heart. The truth, the word was truth. The word was good. But the sin nature made us unable to live up to it. So what did God say? God says, I'm going to establish a new covenant. I'm going to do the work. Instead of putting my word on stones, on tablets, I'm going to write it on their hearts. Right? I'm going to do a work that, that makes them dead to sin and death. I'm going to do a work that, that's capable of transforming them and enabling them to walk in obedience to the truth of God's word. All they will need to do is humble themselves and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. To me, that's a lot simpler. Dale Dale, uh, uh, Barnes, our founding pastor here, he often says it, you know, emphasizes the new covenant. Instead of a whole list of do's and don'ts, God says what he's going to do. He's going to change the whole thing. And he's going to write it on our hearts and minds. And he says, you're going to have to confess at your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. Right? And uh, once, you do that, that, once you do that, you've entered into a covenant with God and God begins the process of writing the letter. in your life but I just people think that when we get into the new covenant oh well we don't have to even look at the old covenant at the old covenant the old testament I don't need to even need to know that uh, you know some people feel like I've got a pass now. I don't need to obey those things. No, 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 no. The, the, it's not right to think of the new covenant as having uh, done away with the truth that is in the Old Testament. It is covenants. One covenant replaced another covenant. The word of God is still the same. What God has commanded us, how he's commanded us to live is still the same. It's just that now we're not, we don't have to obey every jot and tittle of the law. And if we fail to, if we fail to live up to one, then we're guilty before God and we're condemned. By grace through faith now, we're saved. And there is grace. There is room for error along the path of continual growth. Because God is doing a work. It's a process. He is doing a work. He's in the process of continuing to write that letter. And as we continue to avail ourselves to him and, and, and be committed to what God has done and is doing in our lives, we're committed and being devoted to God and walking in obedience to him, To where even when we stumble and fall, we are convictable by God. To, and his goodness will lead us to repentance and we can get back on the straight and narrow with God. But the New Testament does not give us an escape or a pass From biblical truth that was expressed in the Old Testament. It confirms the Old Testament. It just dealt with the sin nature in a way that the Old Covenant did not. So we've got a new covenant. And you're God's tablet. He's got a pen. And He'll use. Pastors, ministers, people, uh, parents, godly parents, you're raising your kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Guess what? You're a pen in God's hands with your children. You're endeavoring to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You have a leadership role there, you have influence. They are your disciples in the Lord. If you are a a Christian business person or wherever it is, you have leadership responsibility and influence. My hope is that you see this analogy, that you see this mental picture, that there is the divine hand of God. You're a pen in his hand. And in various ways, he's using each of us as an instrument in his hands as a part of the writing. The letter of someone's life. And I think we need to appreciate that, uh, respect that. And uh, do everything that we can to to partner with God in that. So that as a church body, both locally and abroad, that we can continue to build each other up into a holy habitation of the Lord. Uh, verse seven. Now, if the ministry of death i got to move it along here. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it for if what was being brought to an end came with glory much more will what is permanent have glory since we have such a hope we are very bold not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end but their minds were hardened For this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed some of y'all have heard this from me um a a number of times um but i'm i'm not ashamed to say it or nervous to say it to a, a larger audience you know i i believe as a church we've we've been operating in error in our attitudes towards the lost and towards um people who are walking in darkness in our society today I think they are getting the worst of us and not we're not allowing the letter that God has written on our lives to be read in proper context by those who don't know him because it's too littered with our our prejudices our biases our uh, attitudes and judgments and whatnot. When we're called to represent Christ not only in his word because we're right when we present his word but we're wrong if we do not present his word in the attitude that he has called us to present it. And if we as ambassadors are going to present Christ to the world we can't do it apart from His attitude. We can't do it apart from his attributes. We can't do it apart from the love that he demonstrated when he presented himself as a sacrifice for us. And if the one who died for us has such a heart of compassion for sinners, who are we to have any less? Is he Lord of our lives or isn't he? He said, Make disciples. Well, are we being his disciple in attitude? This here does a comparing contrast from Moses to Jesus, from the old covenant to the new covenant. And he makes a statement saying that Paul says, unlike Moses, now he's taking shots at Moses here. So this could go this could go south real fast but he's like Moses based on what he just said there Moses we'll just say Moses was not acting in boldness when he veiled his face after time that he has spent with God and he's about to go back amongst the people of God you know that glory that was over him on his face that was evidence of that was the result of him being in the presence of God, it was fading. But there was glory there. There was evidence that he had been in the presence of God. And you would think that that's something you want the people to see. I'm coming down from the mountain. I've been in the presence of God. I have a glow. That's evidence that I've been with God. And yet, he's covering it. Whether he's covering it because he was glowing or he's covering it because it's fading, I don't know. But Paul makes a bold statement there saying, No, we're bold. We're not like Moses was. Right? So Moses put on the veil. We are to unveil. What God is doing in us is to be unveiled, it's to be seen, it's to be observed, it is to be known. Because it is the very evidence that he, ex- ex- that he not only exists, but he is alive and that he is at operation in our lives. And that he can actually change and transform our lives from darkness to light. From bondage to liberty. From brokenness to wholeness. And how many people in the world need to see the evidence of that? In our lives. How many need to hear the testimony of that? From we his living letters. That he has written. So I want to challenge you today. Right? Be that living letter. I want to challenge you today. Be active in letting people see the letter. Don't hold it close to your vest. Don't. Look at the letter. Don't look in the mirror and see something less than what Christ has done in you. Don't look in the mirror and see somebody incapable or insignificant or what have you. No, look in the mirror and look at somebody who's more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. Look in the mirror and see somebody who can do all things through Christ Jesus who loves Who loves you. Look in that mirror and and, and see a son or daughter of God who is beloved, who is redeemed, who is a child of the king. Amen? Whose citizenship is in heaven, whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life, right? And so these are truths that we need to hold on to. And and, uh, look look in that mirror and see if uh, somebody who, if God is for you, who can stand against you? I'm talking about looking at yourself in light of God's truth. Not our feelings, but in light of God's truth so that your letter can be seen and read and responded to again there are people walking in darkness that you God may want to arrange a chance meeting you're reading your letter in the darkness and that letter is light to someone who's wandering and they gravitate toward the light and they hear your story, and they come into the light as they give their hearts to Jesus. There are many things that we tell ourselves that we are, but I'm telling you, you are a living letter written by Jesus. And I'm telling you, you need to be read. Now, it's going to be up to you whether you're going to receive that and was that me I guess I should have shaved the the goatee I'll I'll finish the last couple of verses here um after, I mean, after this statement, he says that to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Talking about uh, children of Israel. It says the veil that covered Moses' face. That did not allow them to really see the glory. That was upon him. He says now that that veil is over their hearts. And over their minds. Why? Because they still, that's the glory that they're still looking at. They're still looking at Moses to the point that they have not seen the greater glory that comes in and through Jesus Christ. But if we understand that about them, then we need to understand that about those in our society who don't go to church, who don't know Jesus. The veil is still over their hearts and over their minds, right? And the only way, I mean, we could pass laws. We can do, you know, have causes and try to force people to not live a certain way or to do things like we think they ought to be done. But that won't do anything for them for eternity. We can force our kids to conform. But the real objective is to reach their hearts. Right? And so here, unless the veil is taken away, they're doomed. Right? And so, and it says the only way, only through Christ is it taken away. Well, then that should spur us on to tell our story. And in the telling of our story, to give Christ the glory to let people know that my story is not unique in, in, as far as God's ability to transform your life. Let me, tell you about, let, me, let me tell you about the one who changed my life for the better forever. Who can do the same and wants to do the same for you. You don't have to be a great orator for that message to resonate. And it says, verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces. See, we're not, we're not to veil our faces like Moses did. With the spirit of the Lord, there's freedom. And we all with unveiled faces. Let, let them read your letter. <laughs> with unveiled faces. Beholding the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Right? So so let yourself be unveiled. Let your letter be read. Because you might not be Yet, what you hope to be, you may not be a totally refined and finished product, but you're in the process of being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And what God has begun, he is faithful to finish. And it's already a great work that God has done in your life. He's faithful to complete it, but you're not what you used to be. And that in itself, as, as we say in, 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 in our preaching circles, that in and of itself will preach. Right? Because God hasn't called us to perfection because there's only one perfect person to ever walk this earth. That's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Right? The, the main thing is, do you know Jesus Have you given your heart to him? Are you walking with him? Uh, Have you begun the process of letting him transform you and conform you into the image of Christ Jesus? Have you you opened your life? Have you opened your heart? Have you presented the letter that Christ has written in your life for others to read? If, if, If that scares you, then I would spur you, encourage you, and challenge you to be strong and very courageous and decide that I'm going to obey God in this. Even if if you have to seek advice or counsel, do it, right? Uh, But be actively working towards walking in obedience to what God has challenged you to do. You may not be called on the foreign mission field, but wherever you're at, you're called to be an ambassador for Christ. Wherever you're at, in whatever circumstance you're in, you can let somebody read your letter. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand. Father God, in the precious name of Jesus I thank you for the sincere sons and daughters of God that we have here in Christ, Father God. People who want you to truly be glorified in their lives, Father God. People who have made the choice to follow Jesus. Father God, this isn't a, a body of pretenders. These are people who love the Lord. And Father God, we all have our hang ups you know we all have our struggles lord and 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 we tend to disqualify ourselves at times and think that because you know i'm not strong in this or because i'm weak in this that i'm not really confident in putting myself out there like that i don't know if god can really use me i've got to get my life in order or i've got to get to a certain degree of accomplishment and growth before God can use me. And Father God, I just want to absolve us of that mentality. Yes, we need to be pursuing, you know, to be holy as you are holy, Father God. Your grace is not a license to sin. But Father God, you used your disciples even as you were discipling them during your three-and-a-half-year ministry on this earth. You didn't wait until they became apostles to use them. You sent them out two by two. You ministered to them and you taught them and you modeled what the Christian walk was to be like and you sent them out to practice. And when they made mistakes, you taught into it and you helped them grow. So, Father God, let not that mentality of feeling like we're not enough cause us to be inactive, to be passive, to lack confidence in what you can do in and through us. So, Father God, I just pray that you would convict us to give us the courage and the confidence, Father God, to let our letters, the letters of our lives, be read that we might be a pin in the in your divine hand oh god that can help further the the story and the letter that's being written in someone else's life we ask you to help us with this lord that we might be better vessels for you Lord that can bring people to faith in Christ that they may as we have taste and see that you are truly good Lord, we ask you and thank you for it in Jesus' name.